Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. And it took a while for the talk to reveal itself a little bit. I, I had a subject on Monday or Tuesday, and it didn't last till today. So this talk kind of unfolded. Um, so we're, we're always here on Sundays teaching on what the Buddha said, what the Buddha taught, and how we can apply it in our daily life. And um, we've talked a lot about the four foundations of mindfulness over the years here. Uh, the first foundation being mindfulness of the body. And the second foundation, mindfulness of feeling tone, um, the sensory intake from moment to moment, things we like, we don't like, and things that were kind of foggy on or neutral. And while we were sitting, when there were little noises and bumps in the room, I had the unpleasant, we call it Vedana, the unpleasant sensation. Um, and then my mind would drift off and I recall the great cup of tea I had before I came, this milky, sweet tea, and that memory was pleasant. And um, so the Buddha asked us to reflect on moment by moment this sensory experience that's always changing of pleasant <coughs> and unpleasant and neutral. And I'll say a little more of that. And then the third foundation is uh, mindfulness of mind, observing and noticing what's happening in the mind, your thoughts and your images, and where your mind is going. Um, and the fourth part <coughs> of the foundations of mindfulness is called mindfulness of mind objects, where we're taking awareness and we're extending it out to, to everything that we perceive and understanding the world um, through the lens of the teachings. <coughs> so today, um, I want to start at the beginning, um, which is mindfulness of the body. Did anybody feel a moment of boredom there? or No? You're with me? And I'll tell you more about that. Okay. So, so I want to talk about it in a way that um, leads us to greater resilience in our life, right? using mindfulness of the body for more resilience, for a way that we could take refuge in the difficult and hard times, and a way that we can feel from our bones, from the inside, compassion and kindness towards ourselves and others. Part of this talk came, or this reflection, came from an experience recently that I had a few weeks ago. Uh, I was in an office building, and um, a very big plate glass window um, smashed in a second, shattered in the middle of a normal day of, in an office, just like that. And for a while, there was a lot of confusion. 
on the floor because there was uncertainty about what happened. And for me, it was a moment of um, feeling the value of practice, of feeling the body and finding refuge in the body and sensing the body fully as a way to ground in that experience. You just never know how you react in these momentary shocks to the system. Um, our central nervous system, we're, we're told, will go fight, flight, freeze, and we don't really have a choice of how this mechanism, this body-mind, responds, right? Anything could happen within that realm. But in that moment, the practice was really there in terms of awareness being a support um, and a refuge. And that sense of the body really as a holding and a grounding. So it's made me contemplate the mindfulness of the body even more. And yesterday we were sitting um, at the Montecito Center and talking about how mindfulness of the body is the first foundation and a full practice to awakening. Awareness of the body alone can lead us to the deepest, deepest truth and yet it seems so light, right, and so simple. But um, the Buddha really taught that this is a full path of awakening. And there's a quote from Joseph Goldstein's teacher, Meninjari, Meninji, saying his name right? Menindra, excuse me. Sit and know you're sitting, and the whole of Dharma will be revealed. This is true for any of the four postures, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, all the postures we're in. Sit and know you're sitting, and the whole of Dhamma will be revealed. So this awareness has deep wisdom and awakening in it. And so a goal of this talk is to hopefully give you a deeper appreciation and a sense of awareness of the body and for all of us to have a greater sense of what is embodiment what is momentary of loving kind embodiment and um, anyone who goes to a yoga class or a meditation class a mindfulness class the first thing you're told is to find your breath follow your breath and stay with it from beginning to end. Right? And that seems like a very simple thing. Um, but in truth, it's not that simple, right? Hard to do. To stay with the breath all the way through and to feel your body. And um, one of the meditation teachers, um, I guess his name is Mark, Weber, he likes to say, when we ask you to feel your breath, follow the breath all the way full and through, it's a big task and a big ask. It's really big. And why is that? Um, because we're really going against the stream of our conditioning and our consciousness. We're going directly against it. This body-mind is, we're aware of our body when it can give us some pleasure. We're very aware, right? We're very aware of our body when we want to run from something unpleasant, 
Well, then we're aware. And we're aware when the body's in pain and it's uncomfortable. But in the middle, in between, we don't really want to be aware because it's kind of boring, right? And we please don't make me bored. Don't ask me to sit still. We've done enough of that. So um, it's, it's, it's hard to find the value in something that's in the middle and so simple. And I learned this from teaching, right? I always would um, come in with this mindfulness of the body talk, very excited about teaching this. Like, oh, we're all going to feel into the body and feel our breath, and, and it's going to be thrilling. You know, we're all going to be so thrilled by it. And you could usually feel the energy in the room drop into fog as we talk about it, always. And one of my friends came up to me and he said afterwards, I really would like you to stop talking about feeling your body because it's so boring when you start on that. Like, please don't talk about that anymore. So, um, it's true. Right? Because the subtlety, we're not about subtle. And even in this meditation, to be perfectly honest, like I would hear a sound in the room so that was unpleasant. And what my mind was doing was going to thoughts of something pleasant in the form of taste. And I was reviewing the different tastes that were pleasant. I had to pull my body back into the, my mind and awareness back into the body and breath. But that was kind of my unconscious solution to I don't like the sound, right? So I was thinking about the taste of this lunch or that dish or that tea flavor, right? And this is kind of the way we're really conditioned with our awareness. So, so why body? Why body? Why, why is embodiment valuable? We talked a little bit about this yesterday, um, and um, the truth is that this is the one vehicle we have to land in the present moment. All right? If you're in your body, you're very likely in this moment. We don't have to go very far. If I ask you now, um, sense your feet, sense your sit bones, where your hips are, your pelvic floor, and feel your belly. You can really feel the room shift. You can feel the room go, we come into the body. And when we come into the body, we come into this moment. We're not being carried off by the tides of the mind. We're really here. And there's something very powerful, very subtle, but very sweet about being here. Because here is where the truth of the moment is. And if we're here in the body, we may have a chance to see it clearly. And that's called wisdom. So they link. The body grounds us here, and here is where life lives, where we live, and truth lies, and if we hear, we have the capacity to know it deeply, know it in our bones, 
and this is the the sweetness the importance of embodiment of feeling the body from the inside and we know a little bit from the neuroscience that um, you know our emotions can take us all over the place a big emotion a big event like a plate glass window um, smashing or a moment a flash of anger or fear um, and with this practice of grounding in the body we're really changing our brain and losing that reactivity that ability to get tossed off center so it's not so much that we want to um, do something with awareness, but we want to allow the body to be filled with presence and awareness. We want to sense from the inside and work against going against the stream because normally we're navigating the world through thinking and problem solving. Right? So it's a different way of being. So if you close your eyes for a moment, just for a moment, and I want you to, um, to think about your hands. Maybe a mental image, anything, words that come to you. Just think about your hands. And now with your eyes closed, I want you to feel and sense your hands from the inside. And notice if your hands are touching any part of your body. their warmth or coolness, heat. Let's see if you can bring your awareness to your forearms, your upper arms, elbow, shoulders, just feeling both arms from the inside, the interior space. You could slowly open your eyes. So the Buddha in the Satipatthana Sutta taught us to feel the body internally from the inside and from the outside. Right. But it's not an easy thing to do, an easy thing to remember at all. Because the mind wants to dominate the story in the show and tell you where to go, right? We're, we're up in here. And um, a lot of us have a rejection of living in the body, of being embodied, 
um, because we're living off of body image, the image of who we are. Like, think about your hands. We think about what we look like, right? And then there are filters through it. Are we acceptable? Are we not acceptable? Um, do we like the way we look? Do we not like the way we look? For women and, and men, we're, we have the tyranny of how we're supposed to look, how we are object and objectified, yeah? I'm only okay if I look this way, if my hair is this way, if my size is this way, the color of my skin is this way, I don't have wrinkles, you know? Um, so body becomes object. And then objects a thing to like and not like. And that's how we're used to thinking and being with the body. A thought about whether I like it or not, whether it measures up or it doesn't measure up. Right? The Buddha has us knowing the body in a very different way beyond your thought about your body and other people's bodies. And, and we objectify other people's bodies too. Right. I like that body. I don't like that body. I want more of that body. <laughs> I don't want that body, right? Um, but the Buddha, that's not what the Buddha is pointing to. He's pointing to letting go of your mental image of the body and finding the space inside the body as a way to ground, as a way to be present and a way to know and to hold that through all of our activities. And um, it's written that um, Ananda, who was the Buddha's cousin and personal attendant and closest um, devotee, and when the Buddha died, he was really distraught, you know, losing his teacher, um, I had a very close relationship, and he did a lot of walking, meditation, and sitting, and in his grief, um, he found the awareness of the body as a friend. Right? Wouldn't that be a great way to view mindfulness of the body and awareness of the body as a friend, as a support? And it's said that he woke up, that he got enlightened from mindfulness, not sitting meditation, but in walking and lying down. So that awakening can happen by that full embodiment of being present and being with. <coughs> but we live in a world that supports disassociation, right? The disassociated self. You know, my body's here, but my mind is in Utah, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's two states away. Um, we're trained to disassociate, and it's also a survival mechanism, and it works. Um, it works when you're in a traumatic situation or you're having rough childhood um, or it's too hard to be here. And so a lot of this training of mindfulness is breaking through and knowing those disassociated states. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was watching Sister Act Two with Whoopi Goldberg. Have you seen that movie? Oh, it's so cute. So cheesy but cute. And uh, 
she's taking, um, have you seen the movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's taking these um, kids to choir practice, a choir competition, and um, they're really a very poor church, and they haven't got a lot, you know, and the kids are uh, a little alienated, and, um, and they see um, a choir from a very wealthy community perform, and they're really good, and they're all dressed up, and they're very impressive, and everybody's cheering, and the kids look at them, look at each other, and they go, "Well, that's it. We're out of here." They start taking the robes off. We're done. We're not competing. You know, we have the same song. We're not doing it. And of course, there's Whoopi Goldberg in her nun outfit, which is just fun to watch. And and she says, "Well, the minute you feel fear, you run away." Right. And and this is the disassociated state, the minute we have a big emotion, intense emotion, a lot of us, we can't embody it. We don't stay with it in the body, right? We're out, we're running away. All of us, we can use the phone now and go eat something or we get busy. We want to dispel. We want to get out of it, right? We want to go out rather than in. So the mindfulness practice is to ride that wave of the emotion, to be with it in an embodied way. Think of Whoopi Goldberg and the thing telling you. Yeah. I did. So um, we walk around in this very disassociated planning thing, but we're not anchoring into the one thing that's the easiest thing to anchor into. And I'll read a little bit about um, Eckhart Tolle, what he says about the body. If you keep your attention in the body, it is quite possible you will be anchored in the now, and you won't lose yourself in the external world. You won't lose yourself in your mind. Thoughts, emotions, fears, desires, may still be there, but they won't take you over. See if you can keep in touch with your inner body at the same time that you're hearing, reading, having mental commentary. Don't let it all flow out. Feel your whole body from within as a single field of energy. It is almost as if you are listening to or reading with your whole body. Let this be your practice in the days and weeks to come. Do not give all your attention away to the mind in the external world. By all means, focus on what you're doing, but feel the inner body at the same time whenever possible. Stay rooted within. Then observe how this changes your state of consciousness and the quality of what you're doing. As long as you are in conscious contact with your inner body, you are like a tree that is deeply rooted in the earth, or a building with a deep and solid foundation. The latter analogy is used by Jesus in the generally misunderstood parable of the two men who build a house. One man builds it on the sand without a foundation, when the storms and floods come, the house is swept away. The other man digs deep until he reaches the rock. 
and then builds his house, which is not swept away by the floods. So how do we embody mindfulness of the body? So let's explore a little bit. If you close your eyes again. So one way to bring awareness into the body is to just notice what the body is touching. Noticing the sensation of your feet on the floor. Noticing the sensation of your thighs, buttocks, on the cushion or the chair. The sense of touch with your hands. Maybe sensing and feeling clothing. Another way to know and feel the body is a sense of posture. See if you can find the pelvic bones, the pelvic bowl, the base of the spine, the hip bones. And notice how your entire torso is supported. By the pelvic bowl, the spine, and sense in and feel the pelvis, the hips. And then see moving upward if you can feel your rib cage, the front and the back and how the ribcage expands and contracts. And see where your shoulders are. In relationship to the ribcage, the hip bones, the pelvic bowl. Notice the base of the neck, the top of the head and the back of the head. And seeing how your body lines up, noticing the top of your head, the tip of your nose, your chin, your belly button. just sensing and feeling the bones. How the body is held by these bones. And what this is, this thing called posture. 
another way to sense the body is to sense the internal space of the body, the interior of the body. And just scanning the body, feeling the inside space of your calves, thighs, your belly, giving yourself permission to feel the full belly all the way back behind the belly button, down to the hips, the full belly. Just allowing yourself to feel the interior of the body. Again, feeling the rib cage and the chest. The arms and back. The head. And now shifting your attention from the inside space to the outside space, the space around your body. Perhaps feeling and sensing the people around you. The space of the room. space in front of you. And the space behind you. And the space below and above. Sensing, feeling into the entire body, sitting. Perhaps there's an energy, a pulsation, an aliveness. a movement or tingling. A spaciousness. Just noticing.
everybody you could slowly open your eyes so we miss this alignment of the body by seeking the entertainment out there in things, yeah? So anybody wanna say something about this experience of mindfulness of the body? And by the way, before we even have that dialogue, I know that everybody in this room has experienced this moment of body wisdom. You know where you knew something in your bones? Or maybe you saw um, an elder in your family do that? Do you know something in your bones? And I know that um, there's many of you have had a real love of movement, whether you're running or doing yoga or playing tennis, or really feeling and sensing the sand on your feet at the beach and the ocean, the water, the air, sensing all the elements. It's natural to have this mindfulness of the body, but I think we just miss it because of the simplicity, you know, the real simplicity of it. So anybody want to say something about this experience of sensing and feeling the body? <coughs> Yeah. Well, it's not specific to this morning, um, <clears throat> but I will say I have uh, some challenges sometimes with my legs at night, and when it first happens, sometimes I just want to ignore it, you know, like, ugh, could it just go away because I want to sleep, but when I feel into it, and I just go right into it and just realize, that's when I finally get peace, and sometimes I still fight that, which is silly and counterintuitive and very human. But when I just go into it, go, yep, that's your leg, and this is what it does, and this is how it feels, then I get peace so much more quickly. So. Yeah. I also wanted to share something similar um, that I have had to reminder because um, some of the kind of greatest awarenesses like around pain um, in the body when meditating, retreat, or which happens, that when the full attention is really placed on it, as far as, like, without trying to conceptualize, challenging, but just, like, really being with the actual sensation of what the pain is, heat, tingling, whatever, that you can see the shifting, and that often when the full attention is placed there, that's when the pain actually does shift and becomes more bearable. Um, but it's like that subtle, like, oh, oh, wanting it to be something different or distracting the self, distracting, um, that makes it persist. So it's been, I mean, really the body that, when I think about it, has provided the biggest insights in meditation. And I, ha I didn't really realize that till today, but it's true, it's the body. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so thanks. Yeah.
it's kind of like the mind and the ego, the defenses like to run the show. It's very safe, you know. But um, there's more, you know, the brain is all over the body, and the heart and the brain are so connected. And so it really takes some willingness and some faith to drop in. I was teaching um, the mindfulness class to um, to some people who never meditated before or barely knew what mindfulness was. And this one woman um, worked for the post office. Right. And the job, you know, is difficult. It's very difficult. We really hard and she had suffered some something on the job where people did something and it was traumatic and unpleasant and she maybe bullied or scapegoated and um, her doctor wanted her to take this mindfulness class before she went back and um, she got back on the job she took the class she had no reason why she was there other than she really liked her doctor and she's gonna do what her doctor said and um, in MBSR and MBCT, we start with body scans. It's so brilliant, right? Feel the body. And so um, she said, and she was surprised that her report to the group was, um, I'm on my job, I'm standing there, and they're annoying me, and I'm beginning to lose my temper, and I'm going to say something, I'm going to say something, and I go to the bathroom and I go behind the stall, I lock the skull, and I do the body scan, you know. And then she comes out and she says, it's so different. Wow. They don't have to get to me. And um, that was her practice for the eight weeks was when she found herself, you know, we go fight, flight, or freeze. When she found herself, her inclination is to fight when her nervous system's all riled up, that was what she'll do, is she'll just say something, or she'll get kind of aggressive in her stance, her energy, or her words. And she was taking herself to the bathroom for a mindfulness break, for a body scan break. And it shifted for her so much. Brand new person, you know, brand new to this. Um, and I loved her surprise. So, yeah, this wisdom, this teaching is just available to anyone, anywhere, anytime, at any moment. Right. But what stops us is that we get very complicated. We're so complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Um, <clears throat> there are four foundations of mindfulness. And the interesting thing is, during the Buddhist time, they allowed people to practice in different ways, using different techniques. And I think that had a lot to do with, after his death, uh, the split into different schools. Because some people wanted to focus on the body, sound, sensation, posture. And some people wanted to focus on thought. Um, and they're all ways of becoming enlightened. For example, uh, Charlotte Joko Beck is a Zen master in San Diego who likes to use sensation, likes to use sound, focus on sound, to stay in the present, uh, to let go of, <clears throat> you know, clinging and um, to develop awareness, mindfulness, and become enlightened. 
um, Wendy Inyoku at the Los Angeles Zen Center likes to have people focus on uh, koans, which are basically something that you're repeating in your, your head, a question that cuts off thought, which makes it so that you can't hold on to any thoughts, which allows you to get rid of clinging, you know, hatred, aversion, uh, illusion, and become enlightened. Um, the Buddha, in one of his most famous sutras, the Diamond Sutra, said, develop a mind which, which rests on nothing, whatever. Um, basically, as thought follows thought, let go of all of them, relinquish everything, and that is a path to enlightenment. And so some people, even though they're members of other uh, parts of you know, Buddhism, sects, basically they, they go back and forth and use each other's techniques. Uh, Jack Kornfeld wrote a book called uh, Living Buddhist Masters, and uh, he documented the teaching practices of about 10 different, uh, um, and practiced with several different uh, um, Theravada uh, masters in Thailand and Burma. And uh, the interesting thing was they, they used many of the exact same techniques that are used in Zen. And many of people who call themselves Zen masters are, have used um, and are very fluent in Theravadan um, techniques. So it, it's interesting, you know, it's, mindfulness is the most important thing. And it can be focused on, it can be used in different ways, and, and uh, we can still come to the same. Mm -hmm. Yes, yep. the same enlightenment through different doors. I think someone, um, Brian Lesage was talking about um, his Zen teacher. The koans are so confusing, the Zen koans. They're really wild, uh, hard. And, and so um, when he was working in the Zen community, everybody would complain to the master, like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't understand what you're talking about. And the Zen master would say, um, that's because you're not thinking with your belly button. <laughs> you can't think, you can't come up with the answer by thinking. Yeah. So, so this feeling into and sensing from the belly, the sit bones, your whole body is another way of opening a door. It's another way of opening a door to knowing. Yes? Um, I've had more than 15 years of what's called body-based or somatic um, psychotherapy and also body-based meditation. For I started earlier this year. So a lot of my experience and perspective is with respect to the body. And I guess I, I, I feel what I can say today, just to sum it up, is my experience is that my body is a neutral, innocent encyclopedia of all knowledge that I can't grasp. It bypasses my mind's need to conceptualize abstractions, bypasses the need to grasp and explain something because the body is my vessel made by nature, which is really innocent. It's neutral. There's no bad or good. 
And when I feel into, into the body when I can, without judgment, I find if I practice it routinely, it quote unquote tells me what I need to know by bypassing my head. I'm just listening to innocent, neutral encyclopedia of my mind. Beautiful, thank you. So how are you right now with your body? Feeling that belly, legs, arms? We have to keep reminding each other. It's so hard to hold <coughs> that awareness sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. I'm from Vantilder, our guest speaker, what was her name? Um, she spoke at the Montecito Center and she was speaking about when you're listening. Yes. Remember and yes. It, that when we're listening, that we're listening 50% and and I was a little like, oh, really? Well, when you listen, aren't you meant to listen with your whole, listen fully and give yourself fully to that listening experience? And little by little, I'm understanding, you know, what she means, because you can, even if it's a pleasant experience, you, then you run the risk of fully being taken by that experience. And then... Uh, unable to be of service to self or to other. So if you have that continuous grounding, if I keep that grounding here, it's more sustainable. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but. Yeah, and I think it's what you were saying too, that as we have that capacity to listen deeply and experience ourselves fully, um, there's a much greater chance that we also can be relationally more present and with the other um, and, and hear and sense and feel others more deeply. Um, yeah. It's challenging. That's when I feel like I forget to do it. Like when I'm very mm -hmm. really listening to somebody, I do feel like I completely lose the awareness of, of body. I don't know if that's it. That's, that's definitely what happens. Well, um, this me. uh, meditation teacher, Mark Aquino Weber, I think his name is, look up his name, but he's saying <clears throat> when we ask you to practice mindfulness of the body, we're actually giving you an invitation to fail mm -hmm. and to allow yourself to fail mm -hmm. because this is really hard stuff. It's hard to stay rooted in something so subtle when our conditioning is to go for a bigger sensation mm -hmm. and grab onto it. Mm -hmm. That's what we're conditioned for. So he's saying, yeah, you know, go ahead, teach mindfulness of the breath and mindfulness of postures and uh, mindfulness of movement. That is total permission to fail and to not and to lose it all the time. So we have to allow ourselves to fail a bit in this. Yeah. I just wanted to say from the perspective of, from my perspective, is I do energy healing and things. So one of the reasons that people have problems coming into their body is that we store pain, emotional pain, not only in our chakras and things, but in our muscles and our body. So if there's an area where, like let's say someone wants to do the body scan, if there's an area where you really can't reach and you don't feel something, chances are that might be a place where you've experienced physical trauma, or you're storing like pain 
And so that might be a reason why some people can't access that. So I just, I just wanted to point that out. And like for me, I, I read Eckhart Tolle's books and I, I tried to do what he said. And for a long time, I couldn't access major portions of my body. I could do my feet, my hands, and my head, and everything else I really couldn't feel. It took a very long time and practicing over and over. And I think one of the things he mentions is you kind of fake it. You know, I mean, you kind of try to feel the space around the body. And eventually you're able to get in. And so after trying, and when I'm meditating, the way I meditate is on the breath, in and out breath, I'm focusing on my body. So on the in breath, I focus on my head. And on the out breath, I imagine how the prana and everything from the meditation spreading around. So by doing that, I've been able to get to the point where I can feel almost everything. And I feel, and it's important because where you put your attention is where the energy goes. So your health and your, your strength kind of develop and grow stronger as you're able to stay in your body and put your attention in your body. Thank you. Yeah. And I can feel your intention to stay with the body even when it isn't easy or you can't feel it. We set that intention to stay with. And all sorts of stuff comes up, like life, you know, just all sorts of stuff comes up. But we set the intention to stay with, to abide, to allow ourselves um, to fully experience beyond what's easy, beyond what's pleasant and unpleasant, right? We're going to stay with it. So speaking of staying with it, let's do some loving-kindness practice on the day of the full moon, yeah? <coughs> so finding a comfortable posture, closing your eyes, in feeling and sensing this body fully, the heart, chest, and radiating out this beautiful wish for all beings. And just starting with this body, this body that brought you here, this body that woke up, felt sense of the body. And some of you may want to put your hand on your heart or use touch and silently repeating the phrases. May I be safe and free of harm. May I be healthy in body and in mind. May I be peaceful and free of suffering. And then widening the lens of the heart just a little bit more. Extending this wish maybe to everyone in this room there's someone you're worried or concerned about, a family member, or someone you're having a difficulty with, 
and holding this group or this person in your mind's eye and silently repeating the phrases. May, I, may you be safe and free of harm. May you be healthy in body and in mind. May you be peaceful. May you be free of suffering. And widening the lens of the heart even further to include all sentient beings everywhere unconditionally. May all beings be safe and free of harm. May all beings be healthy in body and in mind. And may all beings be peaceful and free of suffering. And holding this heartfelt wish as we end our sit today and go about the rest of the day, radiating, extending our compassion and care. Just listen to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.